At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Blog Talk Radio. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Turing Noons and Absolute Podcast. We're talking about ACC football as we have been all summer, and today uh, the Virginia Cavaliers get to be uh, fed to the Lions, as uh, as we're about to find out. Yes, that was a pun, which leads me to our co-host, Dan Lyons. I see what you did there. Yeah, it was, uh, was kind of clever, I guess. Pretty, pretty clever. <laughs> I just found this thing called the Internet, and I saw these things called jokes, and thought, how can I have one of those? Big, big day for the Internet. I mean, we've been getting Twitter followers all day. Uh, people were yelling about how they didn't like Twitter on, on the website. So, yeah, big, big Internet day here on the Internet. <laughs> oh, man. People who don't like Twitter, I, I think... I think people who don't like Twitter have surpassed people who don't like Facebook. Is just like you don't have to use Twitter, but you don't have to tell everybody else how you don't use Twitter. Yeah, that that always any, like anything like that is always annoying. Like just do your own thing. And it was so clearly a threat uh, about Twitter. That wasn't for you if you don't use it. Like that was <laughs> it was like it was like those like the people who complain about. Um, like anything else on 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 any website, like there are there are clearly be things that aren't directed towards you, but other people enjoy them. So let's let let them do that. Let them do the do their own thing. <laughs> and it's also like we're a blog, and Twitter is an incredibly important way to find news and spread news. So I don't know what the expectation is there. Right. <laughs> and we'll just kind of leave it at that. Use Twitter if you want. Don't use it if you don't want to. We'll be on Twitter either way. <laughs> yep, you'll know where to find us. So, uh, I guess diving into uh, Virginia, because that's fun. Actually, you know what? Virginia sucks. I'll just throw that out there right at the beginning, because you know, last year we tried to play up some 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 facade that we we actually thought they could do better than two and ten, only to predict them to go two and ten. So this year, what I think we should do instead is start off with something not Virginia related. Um, that is a uh, Mamus Keda getting himself a uh, getting himself some Denmark dollars today. It's it's great. I was I like totally. It was one of those things like where you, if you know a guy's not going to the NBA, it, it, it's always like they fall off the radar in terms of what they're going to do next. So it, it was very, it was, it was refreshing to see by get picked up, and apparently it's already a starter, and I'm sure they're all thrilled to have him because he went to legendary top program Syracuse. Um, I forgot what they said about Syracuse, but it was funny and great. Um, so yeah, very happy for him. I mean, you really. Like I, you, well, another another pet peeve if we're doing this today. Syracuse fans who don't like buy, which I don't know how many there are, probably like a single digit number. But like I get buy's limitations as a as a basketball player, 
but man, like you have to be like seriously a miserable person not to like by by Kata, and uh, I'm incredibly happy for him. So congrats, by if you've listened to this podcast, which you probably don't. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Like I had my things to say, and like when it seemed like he was wearing Hulk hands whenever the ball was thrown towards him, yeah, that was frustrating. <laughs> but at the same time, like. Yeah, a few players in recent years have, like, ever seemed happier to be there and, and have tried harder. I mean, when when he failed to be able to do something, you saw the misery. And you don't you didn't always see that with a lot of the guys that have been on this team in recent years who just, not that it hasn't worked out, but, but just haven't maybe lived up to, you know, a, a high ceiling. I mean, at the end of the day, like, when things didn't work out, you saw guys like, you know, Stephen Dorff and Dante Green and some others who just, like, kind of shrugged it off and, like, eh. Maybe next time. Like, I mean, I took it seriously, and and I always I always appreciated him for that, and and I think it's good. You know what? Like, he's already he spent the last four years away from home in Senegal, and now he's he's looking for a new adventure um, in Denmark. I I, I mean, he's never going to catch on in the NBA. It's not it's not going to be a reality for him. But he seems to understand that and seems to be, you know, just fine heading to Europe. Um, for a team that, you know, now with him added, you know, could potentially uh, challenge for the uh, Basket League and title, which we should be happy about. Whenever you can contend for a Basket League and title, it's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> no, I, like when, when I was a freshman, I remember seeing him, and after seeing him play for a few few games, because he – uh, people forget he made more of an impact as a freshman than Fab Mello did, and Fab ended up being at his t- peak when he was, you know, eligible and on the court and not in Chucks. Um, much better player, um, but by a was here for four years, and b like totally did all he could for the program. I mean, when when a program names an a, a yearly award after you the year you graduate, that's a pretty big deal. Because I, I'm, I'm guarantee you there are players that have come through this program that Beheim doesn't remember. So, but clearly he had some special place in his heart for Bay, as most of us do and should, um, even with his limitations as a basketball player. And I mean that's really all you can ask out of a guy who stays for four years and was clearly never the most talented guy, but uh, just he just always put it out there, and he was also a major reason why we made a Final Four last year. Like, we would not have made the Final Four without Bai. He was unbelievable in that tournament. I completely agree. He played his best basketball in the biggest <laughs> section of games in his SU career. So not much more you can ask than that. What I didn't understand is when I was looking through the original coverage about it, like, you know, not on News Magician, was that everybody else attributed the, uh, the team name completely and utterly wrong. Really? It didn't seem like they really cared. Everybody else referred to the team as Forum Horsons. And Forum oh, Horsons yeah, is where they play. It's also, to be fair, it is very. It's, it, when you're not talking about like some of the really top teams in Europe, it's difficult to find accurate information. I've, I've, had to, I've done a few things for my job about Kentucky playing down in the Bahamas. And, like, it's it's not the easiest thing to find exactly how a uh, kind of off off the grid uh, pro basketball team in Europe is actually referred to. So I, I can't hate too much 
although it is a weird mistake to make because Forum is so clearly the name of a place. <laughs> Whatever. Fair enough. Fair enough. That. Call off the dogs. <laughs> Alright, so I guess oh yeah, I guess we'll get to Virginia now. Um the uh the Cavalier, we should have a bike. Oh a bicator podcast? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll get them on. We should do is have the bicator podcast during a bi week. That's a brilliant idea. And there's <laughs> one coming up soon. We have a bi week like Week two. Less than a month from now. Yeah, what are we going to do? I mean, what else are we going to do? Might as well have a bi, a bi, bi cater cast, bi casta. See how many puns we can figure out in the next month. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll start a Google, uh, a Google Doc for it. <laughs> so, yeah, moving on to the subject at hand. Um, let's see how long we can actually stay on it. Uh, Virginia. <laughs> Referred to as the, as the Who's, despite the fact they're the Cavaliers, they can't make up their minds. Whatever, guys. Do you. Um, Virginia was terrible last year. Two and ten, just like Dan and I predicted. Just bad, bad, bad. And this year, they scheduled themselves into another hole uh, with BYU and UCLA in the non-conference. Um, Dan, do you think this program is just kind of on a collision course with terrible? It's just weird. Like, it's it's such a strange thing because their recruiting is so much better than it has any right to be. And it still is. Like, they're still bringing in good players. I think they've had five stars in almost all these Mike London classes, or at least they've had in multiple, which is ridiculous. They've recruited better than Virginia Tech. And not that Virginia Tech's been all that great recently, but they're, they're still outdoing them. Uh, their defense, their defenses have been okay, but, like, their offense just doesn't exist. I'm looking at the stores from last year, and they're pretty ugly. Um, but it's just such a weird thing. Hey, hey, I don't know really know why Mike London's back. I, I guess they really, like, the recruiting has to be the only reason because they wanted to see it out. Um, and I guess maybe they just yeah, maybe they just didn't want to feed another new coach to the Wolves because apparently they decided, I don't know when these BYU and Oregon series were scheduled, but these things are done, like, a couple of years in advance. But it's not like Virginia was that good a couple of years ago. So I don't know how, how great they thought they would be by 2013, 2014, where they're playing ridiculous teams. Like, last year they played BYU and Oregon in weeks one and two. This year they play UCLA and at BYU. Like, what, what were they thinking? Yeah, I think the UCLA one wasn't even, like, decided upon that long ago either. Like, UCLA was, oh, was recent one. Back, on, back on the upswing. Like, at least the Oregon one, I don't know when they scheduled that, but it, it could have been, like, let's say it was, like, 2011 when they scheduled the 2013 Oregon game. Like, at least they're like, okay. well, London hasn't done well yet, but he's recruiting really well. Maybe by the time we play Oregon, we'll be competitive. So that's even more defensible. But, like, at UCLA, I think you're right. Like, this is a more recent addition to the schedule. It's not like they were just going to turn a corner like 180 degrees and start winning these types of games. UCLA was like they a weren't. I mean they they've been really good since Moore got there. Like immediately he he turned that program around. So it's just like we we talked about Syracuse not scheduling for success, but at least we've put the stare into some people. Like we should have be quoted and should have beat Penn State last year. We there. I mean we were far more into the USC game at at the Meadowlands two years ago than than the score indicates. 
Like, we were at least in those games. We didn't look out completely outclassed. UCLA is going to stomp Virginia. Right. And, like, to be honest, it's not as if these are – it's not as if watching Virginia get, you know, you know, destroyed by these teams is really a draw. Like, for UCLA and Oregon, there is no – they're state schools. There is no draw to playing Virginia in Virginia. That's what I understand either side of it. Like, for us in USC, USC does have a significant amount of kids from New York and vice versa when it comes to not just athletics but, um, you know, the overall student body. That trade-off makes sense. It's, it's, I mean, whatever you want to call us, but New York City and Los Angeles, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's like the LSU series doesn't make a ton of sense for us. Like, this doesn't make a ton of sense. Like, Virginia, you don't recruit California and you don't recruit Oregon. Like, I mean, Virginia is a hotbed right now in terms of recruiting. It's really that North Carolina really risen a ton in recent years. Um, and to me, I don't know, I guess, I guess I would try to make inroads. And we said this about Syracuse and a lot of other programs, too, about scheduling. If you're Virginia, I think you try to schedule some easier games and you try to make some inroads, um, you know, in, in nearby areas. And, you know, whether you're trying to schedule Penn State or you're trying to schedule one of the one of the many, many Florida teams, you're trying to get into Texas for some reason. Like, I think those are the types of games you schedule. I don't think you you just kind of decide you're going to start off a definitive 0-1 with UCLA. Yeah. And I, I, like you said, I don't get really why UCLA would do it. Oregon, they kind of recruit nationally at this point um, because Oregon itself isn't a, a hotbed, obviously. And they have a very specific type of player they like to get. So if there's a kid in Virginia they think can fit in that system, um, I guess they could go after him. But it's not like they're going to put like a bunch of their – focus into Virginia or the DMV, even though it is not a bad football area by any means. But for Virginia, I, I don't see them going and, and grabbing some offensive tackle out of Portland anytime soon. So it is a weird it is a weird thing all around. I mean, playing name teams is cool, but do it when you're ready. Like, Orton's not going anywhere. If they're going to sign the series with you now, odds are they'll sign the series with you in 2025 when you're not losing 10 games every year. Right. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what we're saying about LSU and Syracuse, even though Syracuse has done better recently. I mean, I don't know if this was all inspired by that one-year uptick in 2010 when they, you know, lucked into a Chick-fil-A bowl because the ACC was doing very poorly. Um, but, I mean, things are bad, I think. You know, the fact that Mike London's buyout is really the only thing keeping him in the seat um, is kind of, you know, proof that there's really not – there's really not the focus on football there that, that there needs to be. And, and, again, considering how how much Virginia has become a critical part of recruiting along the eastern seaboard, um, it's amazing to me how, how, despite them recruiting very well, have just done so poorly and just will probably continue to do so poorly. Yeah, it's um, – it, it's – I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, I, Virginia just is such a mind-boggling situation, um, especially because, it, like I said before, it's not like they haven't been bringing players in that should be good, like they have. If they were just like completely getting their, blow, their, their doors blown off um, in the recruiting trail too, then it would be understandable, but then London wouldn't be there most likely anymore. But they, they have a five-star sophomore running back and take one Mizell. Um who played a little bit last year. He had 184 yards and 45 carries, nothing too crazy. 
Um, they've had some real some solid linemen. Morgan Moses got drafted this year. He was good. I think he was a five star guy, if I remember correctly. They have four stars yeah. everywhere. Like this is a team that looks recruiting wise almost not that different than Miami did when we. Or I wasn't on that podcast, but looking over that roster and like it just at, in year five that just almost ha- it means the coach is the problem because you you don't just strike out on this many players. Like every so often you'll get a a, a guy who is a huge recruiting uh, name. I mean, Syracuse has done it, who doesn't pan out. But for the amount of kids they brought in that are highly uh, highly ranked, like odds are at least half your four-star players are going to come come through and be good college players, and it's just not the case for Virginia. Also, I haven't given up four home runs in the last five minutes, so I'm glad we're doing this podcast because I can't really watch this anymore. Welcome to my world as a Mets fan. <laughs> and if I wrote a book about I'm it. There, I'm living it. <laughs> the New York Mets, I can't really watch this anymore. <laughs> At least your 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 can't really watch this is uh is geography based for at least some part of it. Me, it's it's I don't know I don't know why why I'm watching this. That's why I uh, I spent some time. Although I am I am redonning my Mets gear. Um, not this coming Saturday, but next Saturday. For, oh, very uh, nice. For a date with the Dodgers. For the Mets, will nice. either get get smothered to death, or will surprisingly be Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> and I'll sit there and go, um, oh, okay. It could happen. Like, they haven't been that, they haven't been that terrible this year, but this game's been awful. 7 nothing now, Nats, Nationals. Ugh. Well, we were on Dodger Stadium, though, just because I was adding in this personal note. Again, I told everyone at the beginning we're not talking about Virginia. <laughs> But we're going to try very hard not to. This might actually top the the off-topic to on-topic ratio that record that NC State set about a month ago. So, oh well, but, uh, I mean, it is what it is. Going to do exactly. There's not. There's, I'm. I'm. I'd be surprised if any Virginia fans could say like an hour's worth of things about Virginia right now. Um, yeah. Can you think of something? Well, I don't know. Nice. What time you guys have the same colors as us? They do, kinda ish. Kinda. Um, if we wore orange anymore. David Watford has experience. He has played football in his life, and will not start. Man, Grayson Lambert sounds numbers. like a an extra character on Gossip Girl. That's nice. <laughs> they had multiple receivers uh, catch 300 yards receiving last year. No, none, none, none hit 400, but they had a couple guys hit 300. <laughs> so that's that's good. <laughs> so um, Watford didn't throw for twice as many interceptions as touchdowns. Kevin Parks is a good running back, which is actually true, and that's something we can talk about at length. He is a good running back. He had a decent year last year, and they had a. I think their offensive line was was pretty okay too. And this year yeah. it loses a lot. That was a yeah, decent part of the line kind of screwed this year. And Parks thousand yeah, so yards. Their offensive line and their their offensive line falls off 
in the same way the secondary fell off last year, but this year's secondary is actually much more experienced and is going to be very good, I think. That's fair. Their defense in general, if they have anything to hold on to, they they bring back everyone. Like, this this team is a very experienced defense. They bring back, it looks like, three starters on the defensive line. They bring back every linebacker they had. They bring back all but one D-back. Like, they, they've been around. They've been on campus. Um, so that's that's a good thing, I guess. Uh, and their defense wasn't that wasn't that bad last year. Um, they shut out VMI, so there you, that's something. They helped yeah. BYU to. Well, they, they actually beat BYU last year. That, that's how weird this team oh, no. was. <laughs> I forgot they did that. They beat BYU, who then got uh, the, who then turned was the team that forced the hire of Greg Robinson at Texas. You and I talked about the BYU game like right after week one, though, and said, like, how? How, how, how? It was just a freak game, too, because the weather was like absolute, like, ass. It was muddy. It was just, it was not the type of game that BYU, that, that suited BYU, but it perfectly suited the, like, ugly style of football that Virginia played last year, and they somehow, you got to win. These stores are pretty nasty. They lost to Pitts fourteen to three, to in the in the ACC opener, and then they lost to Virginia Tech fifteen to six in a very Virginia Techian game, uh, in the ACC finale, and in between, wasn't too great. <laughs> Clemson hung fifty nine on them. Um, yeah, I think I mean part of these stores like these stores aren't super indicative of of how it went because I assume the offense just didn't hold didn't allow the defense to any kind of rest. Um but yeah, this was this was just not good. Yeah. Not at all. But yeah, the one thing I was gonna say, and we can jump back into Virginia, was that um got to see McCartney live at Dodger Stadium on Sunday night. Very nice. And I just have to say that life altering experience. Seventy two, dude still got it. I would like to see McCartney. I saw Billy Joel at the Garden a couple months ago. Um, I got to see Springsteen at MetLife two years ago. McCartney is definitely on the list. Um, would definitely like to see that. Does he still got? I mean, I've seen videos, and he's uh, he still puts on a good show. And his last couple albums actually haven't been that bad either. He puts out some decent music. Is he? Uh, is is that this tour swinging back east? I have no idea. I don't know. That's why I checked that out, actually. Yeah, I'm swinging on quick. I mean, granted, yeah, I bought these tickets like back in May, maybe April. See, Petco, Lubbock, Dallas, Atlanta, Nashville, Jacksonville, Louisville, Greensboro. Could Paul McCartney, oh, yeah. could a team of, of 50 Paul McCartneys beat Virginia at football? <laughs> I'm listening no, but they lose by less than three touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, during the energy that guy had, I, I could see him winning. We're talking 72-year-old Paul McCartney. He'd lose – the team of McCartney's would lose to Virginia, I'd say, 20-7. to seven. Watford yeah. would throw a three pick. I'd buy that. <laughs> I think that's pretty fair. 
more because like players get distracted because you just like bust into like band on the run or <laughs> like. It's funny because McCarthy I mean, like, hasn't changed. This isn't this isn't the worst. I mean, you could. I don't know if cloning Paul McCartney's a legitimate thing that should happen, but maybe not the worst thing for Virginia to investigate for their non-conference schedule. It'd be it make more sense than Oregon or UCLA. Um, they'd probably sell out, um, if only because of the you know sheer weirdness of fifty-five or sixty uh, rock stars on the field. Um, post-game concert. I think this is an idea. It'd be the first team to really start exploiting the uh, completely unexploited UK uh, recruiting ground. Well, we have a ticker. Syracuse is a has a ticker from there. That's true. Isn't he a walk-on though? Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? He's a rugby player. That's what I mean. Is that if you're Virginia, you could just start you could just start recruiting the area like actively rugby players, scholarship players. I bet, I bet, uh, one blue chip rugby players who don't know how to play football. And it'd go about as well as things are going now. They probably wouldn't be BYU, though. I don't know if that's fair to Virginia. I mean, I know we're just kind of throwing shade here. <laughs> what else are we going to do? Actually analyze this I team? Know. Come on. People don't expect, <laughs> people know what to expect at this point. <laughs> yeah, All right, so. I guess talking a little bit about some position players because I don't want to be completely <laughs> out there in the sense that we're just ignoring him, uh, well, the team in general. Um, so Grayson Lambert's the quarterback. Um, he doesn't run very well, so that's not good. Um, he also doesn't have much experience, so that's also not good. Um, but luckily, he's got Kevin Parks to run the ball um, behind him, which is nice, along with uh, Taekwon Smoke Mizzou. Smoke's a fun uh, nickname. Definitely, uh, you got to have the right name for it, though. You know, if you want to have your nickname be Smoke. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. There's a lot of, the ACC is pretty quality names all around. Yeah, like, uh, like when DeAndre Hopkins is uh, with Nuke, that was solid, too. That was very good. Yeah, I got some good ones. Which is how he played. Blew up the, the the top of the defense completely, so it worked. Dude, it worked on all three. I don't understand. I don't understand how he dropped so far in the draft. No, I was weird. And Mark Davis Bryant went pretty late too. I thought it was a great draft for the Steelers. Didn't Bryant get injured last year though? I don't remember. Well, he played most of the year. Played against us. I think he went fourth round, though. And he's, he's, I mean, crazy physically gifted. He just didn't have a lot of production in his career. He's one of those which can go either way. See, I feel like if it were me, I would have, I would have drafted Sandy Lockett number one overall. I know that's, like, counterintuitive to the way the game's played today. But to me, I mean, Watkins... Watkins, the freshman, was the most, would have been the most talented player in the draft. Yeah, and he was just ridiculous. The fact that they, I was, I was actually, I'm writing things now. Um, Clemson fans have to be pretty distraught, like looking back at how how many players they had last year, just how badly that Florida State game went because, like that last year, really seemed like Clemson shot, and 
Like they'll they'll be back, and and Jameis Winston won't be there, won't be at Florida State forever, and they'll be able to play for an ACC probably in the next two or three years. But man, that team was stacked last year, and they just didn't even have a shot. Like it just it just shows how good that Florida State team was. Yeah, I think that's been the the prevailing kind of opinion. Like when people are, talk, are previewing the ACC overall now in Florida State season, is they saying like. You know, you think that Florida State could trip up, but look what they did to Clemson. Like, and that was terrifying. Like, that Florida State just completely ran over that team in a way that, you know, I haven't seen. I mean, yeah, we lost some games ugly last year, but we weren't supposed to win those games. Like, we weren't fun. We weren't a national championship yeah. contender that won a BCS Bowl against Ohio State. And, like, looked clearly better than Ohio State, I thought. Like, very, very clearly. I mean, I just don't – I don't understand how Clemson, in their own building, got just the, blow, the doors completely blown off them like that. And I don't think I ever will understand. It's just kind of a footnote on what was a, an absolutely excellent season for Florida State. Florida State, like, I, it's funny because the last couple of days I feel like I've seen more people saying that Florida State's going to lose a game this year. And it seems like just the total notion is based on the fact that they went undefeated last year and that shouldn't happen twice. But if any team has ever been built on paper to run the table two years in a row, this has to be the one. Because there is not a game on that schedule. Like, Oklahoma State's tough. Clemson should be pretty good. But Clemson should have been, I mean, probably better last year and just lost by 40. Oklahoma State's fine, but they're not a team that would have contended with Florida State last year. Uh, Oklahoma State uh, wouldn't have contended with Florida State last year. So just on paper, like, I don't see – it just seems like people are like, well, you know, Florida State is going to be a heavy favorite in every game up through the regular season, but they're not going to defeated just because that doesn't happen. And I don't know. Like, I have a hard time – I don't know if there's a one game where I'd even feel moderately comfortable betting against Florida State, even if you give me the points half the time. Well, yeah, it's not as if we've got – it's not as if there's, like, a lot of teams that really look – well, I mean, to me, everyone's kind of all in on Alabama, and, and I get it, but at the same time, like, you know, I think Auburn and Alabama's biggest flaws are to face each other. Like, same thing with LSU. Um, I think Michigan State and Stanford and Oregon, all, like UCLA, all of them, like Ohio State even, all of them have something that stands out as an issue. And Florida State, like, just, we talked about it when Bud was on the podcast, like, Insane. Like the, the, the amount of talent on this roster is nuts, and and I just don't think. I mean, Florida State may not be as good as last year, but if you look at the scores of all those games, that may not matter. Nope. Like even if they were dressed a little bit, the only game that they were in trouble for was Auburn, and Auburn was a whole other story. But it made a deal with the devil that will never be undone. <laughs> yeah. Who knows how they did the things they did last year. But Auburn was a great team, um, and Florida State, you know, and they had Florida State beat pretty much. But that's also after a month of not playing um, against a, a really unique style that isn't really like much that they would have seen last year. So they're really mitigating circumstances with the Auburn game. But Florida State, like every team, they kind of knew what to expect from and, and that played a pretty standard style. They just beat the doors off of completely. And uh, – I don't expect much different this year. Like, I really, I don't think they're going to be, if they're worse, it's not going to be something that you can really point to. 
Great. A few notes on Virginia's defense, and I promise we can get to beer, and then we can get to picking the games and laughing our asses off. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So the front four is not that good. Linebackers, there's some returning talent, but there's a lot of questions. So that brings us to um, secondary, which honestly I, I think I had them in my top four. Uh, when I did the... Uh, you had them pretty high. Actually, I didn't even do that one yet. Sorry. I'm doing that one this week. I started playing around with the numbers, and Virginia's hanging around about four right now because um, I really do believe in Demetrius Nicholson, and, you know, Andy Harris is one of the better safeties in the country, in in my opinion, and I think that alone, you know, really uh, really will help them. Whether or not they have to take on too much of the load when it comes to making up for the front seven, you know, we'll see kind of how that cuts into their effectiveness. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Harris is just great. There's, there's, you don't get eight interceptions by accident. Um, he's legitimately, yeah, as you said, one of the best safeties in the, in the country. Um, and he really ties this whole thing together. Um, honestly, this whole defense really isn't, isn't too bad. They, they have a couple guys who can get after the, after the quarterback, uh, Eli Harold had a really nice year last year. Um, I mean, as, and at worst, they bring back just so many guys. They have people who've been in the system, um, assuming Mike London has systems, which I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, and just they should progress on that side of the ball. Uh, the problem is that I, you can't outstore someone with your defense. So I don't know. I think I think they'll see uh, they'll they'll get better here. Um, and they still should have a, a bunch of guys left over. Although this is a pretty senior-laden uh, defensive club, um, but assuming assuming that there's a new coach after next season, I think he will have a little bit of talent. He'll have some talent to work with, which won't be the worst thing in the world for them. Agreed. I think you know, like if anything keeps them in some of these games. Um, I mean, not everybody on this list is a world beater. Um, obviously, the coastal is the coastal. And a couple teams here that are beatable. I mean, they they could surprise and could avoid losing ten games again, uh, and and they'll do so because of the defense, in my opinion. We'll get to the schedule, but um, I, mean, I I wouldn't say that they are. Even if they do lose ten games again, I they're one of those teams that just the schedule inhibits them from showing progress, even if they make some. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I'm not really trying to now find nice things to say. Um, at least they have Kent State in the schedule and Richmond. Uh, so those are two games they should win, and the rest, I don't know. <laughs> I the, the schedule isn't super friendly to them either. Like they have to go to Virginia Tech, they have to go to Florida State, they have to go to Georgia Tech, they have to go to Duke, they have to fly out to Provo. It's uh. Like even even if like they have this list, like this is also a really bad slate of home and aways too. Right. Now to Virginia and a lot of other schools, if you want to get better, don't schedule yourself into a hole. Also talking to our collective alma mater. Really, a, 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 maybe not a weekly theme on here, but we, we every so often we have to remind ourselves 
of the crucial nature of scheduling college football games. So uh, that was our requisite uh, personnel talk for Virginia, which takes us to beer. Um, usually we don't have this short time frame in between broadcasts, but luckily we had a weekend that usually uh, results in uptake in beer consumption. Yeah, not too, uh, did a decent amount this weekend. Um, you want me to start off here? Sure. Um, so, yeah, last week I think I brought up the IPA from Captain Lawrence. Um, I also had, this weekend I had their Fresh Chester Pale Ale, which I don't like quite as much, but it's pretty good. Um, I'm looking forward to finding some of their uh, Solid Gold, uh, which is like a, a Wheat Pale Ale, which is really good. I haven't seen it yet on tap anywhere around here. Um, I had uh, the Erdinger Yearweiss, uh from Erdinger Weissbrow, um, which was all right, uh, very light, um, super drinkable, uh, real nice, like, outdoors, summery beer. Um, I wish it had a little more flavor, but it was it was really good if you're trying to session something that has, you know, the, the wheat beer flavor. And then I had uh, the IPA from Peak Organic Brewing, which was actually really good. Um, I haven't had too much from Peak, but it was uh, really enjoyable. Um, and then I've, I've started to see some of the uh, – Apparently, we're already having pumpkin beers come out, and I haven't seen any on tab anywhere, but I've seen people drinking them. Um, as a bit of a fan as I am, like that's pretty insane. We're in early August right now, so I'm probably going to hold off on those, although if pumpkin pops up anywhere, I probably won't be able to help myself. And pumpkin is around. I've, I've heard it's being I've seen people drinking it. I don't know where it is, but I've, it's, it's out in the wild. Well... If it's around, I might have to hit you up <laughs> because that's fine. We are pumpkinless. We are pumpkinless around here, and if there's one pumpkin beer that I'll drink ad nauseum, it's that one. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's that'd be a hard one to turn down, even if it's. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's like June. <laughs> so on my end, um, Showed myself a ton of beer this weekend. Uh, went to a couple of breweries, so I planned a list out. But first, one I uh, acquired via trade, um, Beach Brewing is Hoptopus, the double IPA from uh, Beach Brewing down in Virginia, uh, sent to me by Eric, who you all, if you're on Twitter, probably know as at Beer Control. Uh, sent me some great, um, you know, Virginia and Maryland area beers, and that was Definitely one of them. Um, other good ones I've had, uh, Covater, uh from the brewery, kind of a uh, kind of a nice like silky vanilla and caramel like Belgian. Um, it was supposed to be bottled. There was some infection issues um, on the line, but ended up being a very very good beer on tap um, that I got to check out while I was down there. Also had sour in the rye uh, with pineapple and coconut. Pretty much just tasted like a delicious mixed drink. Highly recommended there. Uh, I know everyone's kind of doing uh, session ales for the summer. The Noble Ale Works had their Cypressaurus, uh, which is pretty much just if Corona was good, um, that's what it would taste like. Uh, and along with that, uh, Noble also re-released their uh, Tongue Tickles uh, Double IPA. Very, very good beer. 
so yeah, that was kind of my weekend. Got to bounce around between the brewery and Noble um, and enjoy some of Orange County's best beers, um, which I don't always get to do just because, not that it's far, far, but relatively speaking, like it's an hour away, kind of annoying. Have to go all the way down there just to drink when I can drink around here. So yeah, that was my weekend. That takes us to the schedule. All right. Um, August 30th, Sacrificial Lamb Day. UCLA's coming to town. Yeah, I really like UCLA. Um, uh, it's very impressive what Moore has done there in very short order. Brett Hundley's a great quarterback. They have a very nice defense. Um, I honestly think they can make the playoff this year. Uh, it'll be tough. Their schedule's not easy, aside from this game. But um, there's a reason why they're kind of a, a sexy pitch out of the Pac-12. Um, so they should roll. They'll they'll be looking to make a statement, as many teams will. Uh, so this is a nice opportunity for them, because they really don't have many easy games. Yeah, I mean, I, I love this UCLA team. Um, I'm planning to go to as many Pac-12 football games as I can this year, uh, because... There's just so, so many, you know, good games to to watch. Um, I definitely want to try to catch UCLA once. Um, perhaps it's UCLA-Stanford. We'll see. I know there's just – there's definitely some games. Uh, and I think, you know, like UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Stanford, maybe even Washington are all legitimate top 20 teams. And I'd even throw Arizona State kind of in as an afterthought, too. So it's going to be a, a hell of a lot of fun uh, watching the Pac-12 this season. I think UCLA, um, I think UCLA's offense is just is too good that despite the fact that they face so many top ten teams, um, if you're looking at like the F plus ratings, uh, I, I just think that they're they're just in very very good shape. Um, I think you're right. Uh, the the turnaround that Moore has done here is astounding. Having USC and UCLA potentially good at the same time, um, like very good at the same time, is, is something fun for, for an L.A. resident um, because they're kind of, you know, the pro football teams out here. I think it's going to be a fun season, and I think it's going to start with UCLA absolutely uh, rubbing the Who's on their uh, home turf. Yeah, basketball football is just a lot of fun. Like, I... I'm very I, – I, in other words, proposals for them to move their games up so they weren't playing so late. I'd kind of be disappointed because if I'm not going out, I love just chilling and watching a Pac-12 Pac game that starts at, like, 10 p.m. It's it's great. I just I enjoy being oh, when I am football. Going out. When what? I am going out, it's great. It's around here. I mean, around here, if you go out during dinner, one of the Pac-12 games is on, or maybe multiple Pac-12 games are on. Yeah, I, 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 and it's just fun football too. Like they play a really great brand overall. Like just think about if you just looked at that league top to bottom, the the coaching names you have there, especially offensive coaching names, is impressive. And uh, so yeah, I, I, I selfishly kind of hope they keep their schedule the way it is because I enjoy being able to watch football from noon to like two p two a.m. It's uh, I'm totally cool with doing that every Saturday, um, even at the expense of my social life. <laughs> I uh, I know personally I tell um, friends, family, my wife <laughs> that uh, 
so that we are going to be somewhere near the TV uh, when when Pac-12 games are on. In particular, I mean, the whole day, really. I mean, Saturdays, all Saturdays for me are just miniature national holidays. But um, the Pac-12 games in particular are, are appointment television. And lucky for me, again, you're not going to find too many arguments there. Um, every school is, a, pretty much every school is a bar somewhere in the city um, that you can wander into. I know I, with horror, found out that our local Iowa bar that I never minded going to has a random Georgetown banner hanging out in the uh, corner. So I will no longer be frequenting that establishment. Gross. You had to tear that down. Yeah, though well, I told my wife before we leave uh, Santa Monica, the last thing I'm going to do <laughs> is dive over the bar, grab the banner, and rush. <laughs> Uh, it, it, the the pairings of schools is always funny. Like uh, one of the bar, one of the Syracuse bars, um, I forget which one it was. It might have been East End Bar and Grill, uh, which isn't an official one, but it's still a bar a lot of Syracuse people go to um, on the Upper East Side. I think is is also a Texas Tech bar, and we went in there once. It was before the 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 2012 season, the, the last Marone season. It was we went we went there for the South Florida game, which was one of the big comebacks that kind of sparked the whole like winning streak at the end or winning stretch. And Texas Tech had just lost like a really awful game. Uh, I forget if they got blown out or they lost like in heartbreaking fashion, but it, it ended like right as our game was beginning. And for whatever reason, a Texas, we didn't say anything to these Texas Tech fans sitting at the bar, and they just got so mad they took like tortillas from a, a fajita plate. And just whipped it at our table. We were like, "What did we do? We didn't. We didn't lose your game for you. We weren't even cheering. <laughs> Go away!" And then they stormed out angrily. Oh, it's weird. The the Syracuse bar here actually um, is also a Kansas bar. That's interesting. So that gets interesting during basketball season because we are not very cordial towards each other <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah, that's a tough combo. Why would they do that? Like, you need those two two basketball uh, programs like that um, need to have separate bars. Like, you can pair Syracuse with like a small a smaller program. Like, a, I don't know. I, I wasn't trying to make a joke, but I don't even can't even formulate one now. But um, don't put it with Kansas. Two teams that have faced each other in national championship. Come on, that's mean. Yeah, it's just not. I mean, it's fine for the most part. We have two. Like, we usually. They get relegated to the inside part of the bar. We get relegated to the outside part of the bar, which around here is fine. Um, but it does get interesting. I know last year during the uh, the second Duke game, I think they were facing Texas um, at like pretty much the same time, and things got you know weird as people started rock chalk jayhawking near in our general vicinity while we stared at them angrily. Um, I think I feel like I remember there being a a bar in I saw something about a bar in either like New York or Boston that had that supported both like of two I don't know if it was Duke UNC but it was one of those huge rivalries and they'd have like one floor of one fan base and then the floor below would be another one I remember seeing a video of it, it might not have been a Syracuse bar it might have been a Syracuse Georgetown but I don't think so because Georgetown doesn't have that many fans but um, <laughs> I just remember. Seeing Something like that, and that's absolutely pretty, a pretty awesome concept. If it's just like a direct rivalry like that, as opposed to just two huge fan bases that happen to also, you know, be playing at the same time, but then you're always running the risk of like someone's in a fight. So it's probably better, better in concept and thought than actual 
right. reality. I mean, at least in L.A., there's the, there's the factor that you're probably driving there. Uh, that's true. I feel like in, in, yeah, in cities where it's public transportation-based, it's, it's definitely a little bit ballsier of a move. But, yeah, like we said, can't really pay attention to Virginia football. So, to September we go. This is game two, and we are <laughs> we are 48 minutes into the podcast. Um, Richmond. I know we posed the question a couple weeks ago, would Mike London rather be back at Richmond or be coaching UVA? Um, this could answer that question, because after this game, if he loses, he may be headed back to Richmond. Um, well, they hired him went Richmond. If Richmond beats Richmond UVA, can Richmond then justify hiring Mike London? <laughs> I mean, he was already the coach there. I feel like it wouldn't be unprecedented. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be a tough sell. Like, if I'm a, uh, an FCS team, I don't want to hire a coach that can lose to FCS teams. There. But he's done well there, but he was he had what? He had Dave Clawson with him, right? Maybe he'll, maybe they'll try to poach uh, Clawson from Wake Forest. That'd be so sad. <laughs> Oh wait. oh, wait. The things we get to say about you guys in two weeks. Actually, we like Wake. I mean, I like Wake's fans a lot. I know Dan has family connections. Um, we'll be down there, so obviously don't want to throw too much shade because then we'll be on other people's home turf. And so wait, Wake should be happy. They're one of the like five programs that got shout out, shouted out on that uh, that really awesome ESPN uh, football playoff ad that got released yesterday. Granted. Their shout-out was Jimmy Kimmel calling their mascot a love child of, uh, I forgot what it was, I think Abe Lincoln and uh, Lee Corso. But, they're, I mean, they were there. They were in the ad, so I guess that counts. Yeah, but you know who else was in the ad? Tulane. Yeah, playing incredibly distanced cornhole. Like, that girl hit that cornhole shot from, like, a football length away, a football field length. Like, that was incredible and definitely not real. We're not imagining things when we say that Tulane. So Tulane will rise again. <laughs> and I go back to the SEC. That would actually be highly entertaining. <laughs> they have their own stadium now. They don't have to go to the the really depressing Superdome where 15 people show up. I think that's really key for, like, them and UMass. Moving back to campus is a really smart, smart call. Yeah, UMass wants to be nowhere near that campus. It's it's a hike. Yeah. I mean, my sister goes there, and she never went to a football game, half because that team is terrible and half because, you know, if you're in the middle of a blowout, now you're st- stranded out there. Yeah, it, there's no – I mean, I, I would probably – if I was a UMass student – and I was a huge sports fan, which I am, I'd probably, like, struggle to wake up every Saturday and, and convince myself to do it. Like, I never had an issue with going to the Dome, even as depressing as some of those freshman year games were, but going all the way to, like, two hours away to Gillette, no, no thanks. I'm okay. I don't know, even know really why. Is you, has UMass figured out their conference thing yet? I don't think they have, right? They still are getting the boot from the MAC, which is really embarrassing. I mean, they're going to head to the Sun Belt, but... But it just has. Oh, is that actually happening? That's amazing. I mean, it's. I mean, it's going to. It has to happen because they can't function as an independent. They can't go back down to SBS. Sun Belt's at eleven teams, and nobody else wants to move up. So this is really the only thing that can happen. I, if I was a Sun Belt, I wouldn't really want to take a Mac retread just out of out of uh, 
like you don't want to declare that you're the lower conference. Well, but I guess I mean, you've already was, you've already let New Mexico State and Idaho join as football only members. That's fair, I guess. That doesn't really matter. But that I mean, I, I remember looking up the travel that would be required for UMass to be in the Sun Belt, and it's the closest school is Appalachian State, and that's nowhere near UMass. Yeah, I mean they're screwed. I mean they're screwed either way at this point because the MAC. They're, the only conference that makes any sense for them is the American Athletic Conference, and they can't get in. It doesn't make sense why they rushed into it. Like, they should have just waited, figured out their stadium on campus, and then gone to D1. Like, what, what's the rush? They weren't going to compete the first couple of years, anyway, no matter what happened. Right. Well, just now at this point, like, your state school relying completely on um, – relying completely on in-state talent – um, when there is not enough in-state talent to sustain the BC, well, it was BCS, the Power 5 level school in your state, Boston College, never mind, you guys and them. Um, I just think there's just, there is no clear strategy and there's no, you're kind of, if you bring a program up in that portion of the country, you're kind of at a dead end. And, and I I don't see how they can really be all that successful from here at the FBS level. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it just seems they just didn't think everything through when they decided to to do this, and now they're suffering the consequences and probably hemorrhaging money. Yeah, Yeah, that's just that. At least they're not the most hated team in the state, in their own state. (laughs) <laughs> this is true. Basketball wise, I feel like a lot of that was B. It was a uh, BU fans trolling though. Are BU fans big on Reddit? I mean, maybe not. Eh, I mean, maybe not on basketball, but I feel like a BU hockey fans just hate BC in general. Yeah, I guess. Northeastern. I don't know. I thought it was really funny. Is BC so innocuous in basketball? Um, like you, it, it was just really funny to see them. Like I wouldn't have expected that to happen, but <laughs> at least at least someone has feelings about them. True. All right. So is consensus that Virginia is going to beat Richmond? Probably. I'd say like seventy five percent chance. So one and one. Then Louisville. Um. So, because of the ACC's weird division setup, Louisville is Virginia's crossover rival. This does not go well for them. Uh, Long term, this is one of many, many reasons why um, you're going to see some changes to the the entire setup. And I mean, the fact that that the autonomy votes in past, I think, virtually assures that there will be no divisions in the ACC by next year. But um, that's just my opinion and one that we can dive into at a later date. But um, Louisville is gonna is gonna run right over Virginia. I mean, I know that that each team's strengths kind of seem to match up with each other. Um, Virginia's secondary, Louisville's wide receivers. Um, that said, Louisville just has too much talent on both sides of the ball, and that counter to Virginia, which has a good deal of talent on only one side of the ball. So Cards win. Yeah, <laughs> not much more to add. I, I just Louisville has. A very talented offense. We still don't know 
entirely what we're going to get from from Gardner at quarterback, but they just have enough talent where they should be able to get by no matter what. And then I don't think their defense is going to fall off enough where they're going to give up points to an offense that may or may not actually exist. So I'm, I'd be pretty confident in Louisville here. And at BYU, um, I just don't see what happened last year happening again. Um, I've got I've got BYU winning this one. I think BYU is a fringe to top 25 team. And obviously, I do not feel the same way about Virginia. Um, so, yeah, BYU rolls uh, because heading west is never a good thing for East Coast teams. Um, I know there was that study on Deadspin a couple of years ago. Um, and these ghost teams just get like completely, completely killed by the time change. And and this for, for a team that's not that good, we'll we'll go double. Maybe it'll like reverse reverse the course and UVA will become like a super team out west. Do you think that's not plausible? <laughs> Crazy things have happened. I don't know. I don't see it. I think BYU will win. That would be really embarrassing for BYU if, like, BYU is winning nine and ten games, but they can't overcome mighty Virginia on their quest for a, a really good bowl. Well, I mean, at this point, unless they get invited to one of the money bowls, they're, uh, they're headed to the oh, yeah, they're uh, Miami Beach Bowl. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, if I was BYU, I'd Want to aim higher, but yeah, I don't know why they treat themselves like a certain academy and lock themselves into certain bowls. It's like they 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 want to treat themselves like Notre Dame, but then they do weird things like that. They yeah, also like locking yourself into the Miami running. Beach Bowl, the Poinsettia Bowl. They they just need to dip themselves in it in, a, in the Big Twelve. Call up Cincinnati, get some, get some edible arrangements sent down to uh, to Dallas, and, and get this thing going. <laughs> hashtag safety value. <laughs> that's that's our hashtag this week. I forgot what it was last week, but I know we had one. Uh, last oh, Edsel, uh, was, Edsel uh, for Florida was that? <laughs> yes, it was. It was Edsel, <laughs> Randy Edsel for Florida. <laughs> this year, this week we're we're trying to save BYU, a program that is both good and also can't be Virginia. So. Kent State is next. Um, the Golden Flash is actually finished off last year pretty solid, but, I mean, there's – I don't know what to think of them. They could be a quality MAC team, and that could cause some problems for Virginia, or they could be a middle-of-the-road MAC team, and it could still cause some problems for Virginia. I'm going to take Virginia here, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Golden Flash is holding up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about Kent State to definitively say that Virginia should, will, will beat them. Um, I don't think Virginia, by any means, is too good for the MAC. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they have enough talent to knock Kent State off. Um, if this was Northern Illinois, I would totally be picking them, but it's not. So I'll, I'll give Virginia this, this win. Um, it's almost unfortunate that it's not a week later, because then you could say they won a game in October. But after this, not not feeling great about the Cavs or the Who's or whoever they are. Maybe maybe this whole Virginia issue is just a major identity crisis. Maybe they just need to stick to one nickname. Yeah, like it's like the Cavaliers show up one week and the Who's show up the next, and 
who's in the film. Who's in the film? Who you are? The Cavaliers are playing. Yeah, like when the Cavaliers are playing, the Who's are out are out back playing some schoolyard team and beat them to death. And then the next week they throw the Who's in. It's like, oh, you guys did well. And then it ends up that the Cavaliers do the same thing to the schoolyard team and the Who's get straight. Virginia actually won like 10 games last year, but they played like 24. <laughs> 10 of 14, almost 500. But October brings huh. Pittsburgh. Um we discussed Pitt last week, and we really didn't pay much mind to Virginia. Um, I just think, you know, this is going to be the case for a lot of teams. Like, despite the fact that Virginia has a very good defense and can keep Pitt in check somewhat, um, Pittsburgh's playmakers are just going to be able to overcome, and that means a Pitt win. It also means that, you know, Virginia's season starts its very, very steep downward spiral from here. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, going to say now there's very little chance that I'm going to want to watch this team. Um, it just looks awful on paper. Uh, so hopefully something changes my mind because I don't like automatically deciding that football games are going to be bad. But Pitt, I mean, Virginia's defense, I w- it's almost one of those things where I wish it was worse because then you can just watch Pitt do fun things. But I, it's I looked at last year's game. It was really awful. What was it, 14-3? to It just doesn't feel like it's any much different. Um, I, I don't think Pitt's that bad, but I just can't see this game being enjoyable in any way. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Uh, they're just not the uh, – Virginia's not fun. Pitt's usually not fun. This is going to be ugly. But Pitt wins. Um, at Duke. Um, Blue Devils, the defending champs in the division. Um, Duke, again, all about the playmakers. Um, I think that the defense is going to give up a little bit more here because, you know, I just don't see... I guess I, I we, we said in the Duke podcast, Duke's defense is not going to be what it was last year. And Virginia might actually be able to generate some offense. That said... Um, I trust Anthony Boone. I trust Jameson Crowder. Uh, Duke wins pretty big, even despite the bye week for uh, for Virginia. Yeah, I agree with all that. And it's at Duke, um, for whatever that counts for. I don't think Duke would lose at Virginia, but I guess it's worth noting. Green. Uh, North Carolina, the oldest rivalry in the South. Um, this game will be noticed by no one but fans of both teams despite the fact that it is a very important rivalry for both the ACC and, I think, Southern football as a whole. I mean, if you take a look at, um, I know the ESPN ACC blog had their, like, rivalry note the other day, and it was just funny to me to see this rivalry not on there, um, Syracuse, BC not on there. Meanwhile, they talked about Florida State and Louisville as as one of the hottest rivalries um, the conference had to offer. That confused me. Like, I wasn't too, like, upset. I mean, I kind of wish we were on there for something. But, like, Florida State-Louisville just doesn't – didn't really connect for me, like, why that was included. Um, And, I mean, if you're going to say, I mean, Syracuse and and BC have a big-time trophy now. I think it should be acknowledged. Well, there's history there. I mean, there's things that you can point to. 
Florida State Louisville, it's like, hey, we really want this to be a thing. Yeah, it's just like, it's one of those things that, like, oh, we're similar colors, I guess. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. And, and, and what about BC Wake Forest? That wasn't on there. Yeah, the rivalry. It's the yeah, rivalry. Can't ignore it's not, it's not, not being included. Yeah. I mean, you got the rivalry, you got, I mean, even BC Clemson had that stupid helmet. Yeah, that one makes, that, that makes even less sense. Uh, force rivalries are dumb. Like, isn't a, I guess, like, the Big Ten's trying to set up rivalries with their new schools coming in. Like, just let it happen. It's not that hard. Like, I know we've talked a lot about, like, trying to make rivalries happen, but, like, it, it's for the most part, it's based in something. Like, old old history or, or something else that already existed. Not just like, oh, we're on the same conference now. Let's hate each other, I guess. <laughs> I think we're taking gradual steps. Like, for the most part, outside of, like, our hate fest with Clemson, we, we take gradual steps with a lot of the ACC programs. And I feel like, um, you know, that article took a very, like, Rutgers-y, the Big Ten type, like, you know, take on it, where they're like, oh, yeah, let's just start throwing out names. And, like, oh, now we hate them. Like his, you know, I was no very close to writing to thought about just not publishing that dude anymore, and I didn't do it, and I'm kind of glad that other people did, because that was getting absurd. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Like, this guy, not only did he write in twice this month and get published, but to say, I mean, unless, I mean, someone, I've, I've asked people and they said it was, but I, I haven't personally verified but the dude wrote in a bunch of times last season and got published. Like, leave it alone. He's not that interesting. And he, the, the only reason I think Bob publishes them is because they write the same exact way, where they're just super verbose and use ridiculous like vocabulary that's completely outdated. But like, man, we don't we don't need that guy published in the Syracuse.com every twice a week. It's just totally unnecessary. Well, right. It just creates something out of nothing. And like, I mean, the same fan emailed me a couple times, and like, you know what? Like, he's 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 nuts. Like, he's just one of those, like, you know, fringe fans that that, that very, very much needs to, to kind of, you know, hang up the keyboard and doesn't understand that, like, if you disagree with someone doesn't mean you need to, like, flame them either in public or in private. Like, And I think you'll find, like, you know, now that Shaking the Southland is, is kind of is kind of pivoted um, content-wise, um, and then if they stop publishing, uh, that one Clemson fan... I think you'll see a very different narrative uh, between Syracuse and Clemson going forward. It's interesting because I've only heard, like, from people who, aside from South Carolina fans who are totally biased in this issue, I've only heard good things about people visiting Clemson. Like, everyone is very friendly, and, and they love to have people come see how awesome their traditions are. So I'm, to, I'm hoping to just have Clemson starting this year, and I'm excited for that. And it just totally goes against, like, what I've heard about them from – unbiased people who have gone to games there. Florida State does hate Clemson, too, though, which is why we all get along so well. Yeah, but that's more like bred from the last couple of years, I think. So, yeah, um, Virginia is, what, two and six going into November in our prognostication? Uh, yeah. Yep. So, 
Time to lose bowl eligibility. Um, Georgia Tech is going to beat them. Uh, down in Atlanta, that doesn't really mean much. But at the same time, um, you know, this this game actually like this game stands out to me as as the last chance for a win on on the on the Virginia schedule. Like not to speed past the other three, but it does seem like the last chance uh, for them to pull out a victory is, is this Georgia Tech game. They won't do it, but but it's but it's there for them. Yeah, that was my only thought of like a game they could possibly win. But it's at Georgia Tech. Um I don't know, it doesn't feel like it's too likely. But Georgia Tech's always prone to disaster. Like they I don't know. They're 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 a weird bunch, but I I don't see it. I don't I just the schedule is just not friendly at all. And next week's at Florida State. Oh man, that last year's game against us was bad. Yeah, and they even and they even draw Florida State. Because why wouldn't they? I mean, this is this is awful. Because now, what, what games will Florida State play on the sideline of this uh, <laughs> this game? Charades. <laughs> Full on. Full-on charades would be amazing. I hope that happens. First word, sounds like head. <laughs> Starts with <laughs> dead. Second word, could this could get entertaining. Um, yeah, so Florida excited. State is going to that game. Because Virginia beat Florida State the last time out. How long? What, how many, what year was that? Uh, was that, year, that, year was, they... that was 2010. The one year they weren't that bad? Yeah. Well, Florida State yeah, had a habit of... Eight, of the eight and five they always drop a yeah, FSU, I the old FSU would have lost this game. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know an FSU team that would have lost to this team. I mean, it, it wouldn't be yeah, wouldn't have been as crazy a couple years ago when they always lost, like, one really weird game a year. But, um, yeah, I, I don't see it. All right, you know, I agree. Okay, one of the last three Bowden teams would have lost to this team just because. I got a principle. Because they felt bad for us. I'm bad all the time. Spreading, to spreading, a, spreading good feelings as he departed football. <laughs> all right. So two games left. This is actually pretty difficult. Um, they get a week off, and then they face Miami. Virginia actually didn't it beat Miami last year. Um, oh, they beat them two years ago. They yeah, lost they them last year by a significant amount, and I think it's going to be even more significant this time around. Um, no matter who plays quarterback, um, as long as Duke Johnson's in the game, it's not really going to matter. Um, Virginia is going to get run off the field uh, pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, unless Miami, like, sinks into the ocean or something, I don't see them losing this one. It happens. But the last game, at Virginia Tech, um, since this uh, in-conference rivalry started, um, Virginia has not won a game. This could be a chance for them to reverse that trend, but at the same time, I just don't. I want to believe that, 
but I just I mean Virginia's offense is better, admittedly, than Virginia Tech's. But Virginia Tech's defense is just so good that I just it's gonna be a close one, but I think Virginia Tech beats this one out. I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't even jump to the to Virginia's offense being better. Um, it all depends on what the quarterback play looks like. But I, I don't know. I would almost bet on Virginia Tech having like some kind of bounce back at some de- to some degree in offense than Virginia outplaying them on that end. Um, and then Tech's defense, like as decent as Virginia's is, Tech is actually pretty like legitimately good. So I think they'll be able to bottle up the. Uh, the run game and, and it'll be like the pit game. Uh, pit, the pit game will actually be better. This this one will be real ugly. Um, Virginia Tech will win by some small margin. It'll be unwatchable. Uh, not a great way to close out the year. Yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, just like we said, two and ten. Um, this is uh, it's two and ten, and like not a lot. The only game that I would even waver on is like Kent State. Like I was, I would. I'd be more confident in Kent State beating them than them winning one of the other games, honestly. And I uh, think it's change, but it doesn't look great on the outset. Oh, so, so, so bad. All right. Well, on that note, it's going to close out here. Um, hope everyone enjoyed us talking about Virginia, but mostly not talking about Virginia for an hour and 15. Um, yeah, Dan. Any uh, any parting thoughts? Um, don't rate us badly on iTunes. We we tried. <laughs> yeah, Virginia fans are gonna are gonna bump our rating down. Please don't. Um, we like you guys. We do. Um, we wish we wore bow ties and blazers and drank cocktails at games, but it's kind of cold in Syracuse, and people usually don't do things like that on campus. That's our fault. Oh, kind of silly. Like, not our thing. It would be forced. We're, we're, we're partial to wearing snow jackets. And it also does, like, it's cold outside, so it would be unconventional for that. But then it's also hot in the dome, so it would be, like, it would never work. It would never be good at no point in your day. Yeah, maybe one day. Maybe one day we'll find we'll find some common ground outside of the, the uniform colors. Hopefully it's not on the win-loss record anytime soon. I hope... I hope we stay well clear of Virginia's recent mark. Cool. Agreed. All right. So on that note, um, that was Dan. I'm John. Thanks for listening to Train Noon's Nestle Podcast. Uh, please be sure to rate us on Blog Talk, on iTunes. Uh, subscribe if you'd like. The two sites let you do that. Um, we actually have two podcasts this week and two next week, so plenty of content for you to listen to. Um, thanks for tuning in. Go Orange. Go Orange. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion, and once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry, From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.
At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. 